This is the second installment of the Caveat Emptor series. This story is told from the perspective of a male. All names have been changed to protect their identity. Part 2. The Visitor I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shock. Weeks before I ever found the Pit of Bones, the abnormality of the house began so subtly. Something about the place felt wrong. Like when you look at pictures hung on a wall, and without pulling out a measuring tape, you know they're kind of off. Kind of like that, but on a spiritual level. I got to have my own room in this house, and I of course wanted the room furthest from the rest of my family. It wasn't long until I started to have mild nightmares. I can't quite recall the early ones, but what I do remember was the feeling of something outstretching its arms, wrapping itself around my ankles and knees, then pulling me down through my floor. I woke up with a start and felt a light brush of something against the crown of my head. I looked up, rubbing my eyes, Hanging limp over my face was something green. Tracing its stem, it spiraled down behind my bed. I got up and pulled my bed frame away from the wall. Ivy. There was ivy growing up out of the carpet, snaking its way up my bedside. I had no idea where it came from. I let my mom know, and she insisted that I not live on the other side of the house anymore. Reluctantly, I picked up my things and moved over by my parents' room. The very next night, I woke up to go to the bathroom. I remember wearing socks, and I swung my legs off of the bed. As I stand up, my feet sink into about three inches of ice-cold water. Running and splashing my way over to the door, I turn on my overhead light. My entire bedroom is submerged in what looked like perfectly clear water. I woke up to my mother to let her know my room was flooding. We called a 24-hour plumber that night. He looked around for about 20 minutes and scratched his head. Lady, I'm sorry, but I can't seem to find the source. It's not septic, I can tell you that. But there are no cracked pipes in the walls. That room is not even nearby a bathroom. The only thing I can guess is that it's seeping up from the foundation. Strange, it's only that room, though. My mother thanked him for coming out and sighed as she shut the front door behind him. She turned to look at me. I'm sorry, Nick. You'll need to move rooms again. I nodded and took off my soggy socks before walking into my room to grab my pillow and blanket for the night. A few weeks after that happened, things looked like they were calming down. The most exciting thing to happen in the house at the moment was the fact that Cassandra's two pet hamsters had a litter of babies. We took care to separate out the dad, as it was common for the father hamster to kill their young. Cassandra had one box for the dad, and the mother stayed in the glass tank with her babies. When everyone was full grown, we reunited the dad hamster back into the glass cage. My newest room, after moving from the flooded floor, adjoined Cassandra's. I popped my head in her doorway, often looking in on her hamsters. They had a funny way of wrinkling their noses as they breathed, and soft black eyes, like little glass beads. 
I was not allowed to get them out of their cage without expressed permission from Mom, of course. I decided I felt hungry and left Cassandra's room, walking into the kitchen. Mom, can I have a snack? My mom looked at me, startled, and the room fell silent. After a moment, I realized I walked in on my mother mid-conversation with little Cassandra. She was holding Cassandra's hands across the kitchen table and looking at her with a face full of concern. My appearance abruptly stopped them from whatever they had been talking about. Yes, of course, sit at the table. I'll get you some apple and peanut butter. I pulled up a chair and looked Cassandra over. She had her arms folded and her head bowed down in between them. She was resting her forehead on the table. Mom, why is Cassie sad? I asked. She's just been having bad dreams, honey. Here you go. My mom placed a plate of sliced green apples and a dollop of smooth peanut butter in front of me. I felt my mouth salivate as I looked at the plate. A buzz from our washer sounded off in the laundry room, and my mother left to go get it. I looked up at Cassandra and picked up an apple slice. Here, Cassie, I said, holding it out to her. She didn't look up, so with my other hand, I poked her shoulder. Cassie? She finally looked up. Her face was flushed, like she'd been crying. She took the apple slice and started to suck on the peanut butter end first. Soon as she took her first bite out of the slice, she started to eat with more energy until the apple was gone. Cassie, what's wrong? She just shook her head, keeping her eyes lowered to the table. She then hopped off her chair and left the kitchen. More nights passed, until I heard the most awful sound come from the room right next to mine. It was a large gasp, as though she was drowning, followed by a blood-curdling scream. I threw my blankets off of me to go to her, but my dad pushed me out of the way as he bounded past me in the hall. My mother bent by Cassandra's bedside intently, trying to understand what Cassandra was babbling between panicked hiccups of crying. She pointed to one empty corner of her room. My father pushed past me again to get the family gun. From what we could gather, someone was inside Cassandra's room, watching her sleep. Unfortunately, Dad didn't find anyone that night, and all of our doors were locked. I tried to find out what made Cassandra scream by asking her repeatedly over the next day, but eventually my mom interceded and told me outright to stop asking her ever again. And that was it. We all pretended like it never happened. Later in life, when Cassandra and I were adults, I asked her again about that night she screamed. She got a dark look on her face and sighed. This was how she described it to me. Nick, I woke up feeling scared. Really scared. I could not move at all, not lift a finger. It felt like cotton balls were stuffed in my throat keeping me from speaking. As I was laying there, I felt weird vibrations, almost like a pulse coming at me from one side of the room. I couldn't physically turn my neck to look all the way, but from the corner of my eye, I saw a person. But he was all shadow. He didn't have an actual body. As soon as I noticed him, he started hobbling toward me in a slow, disjointed walk, like his knees were screwed on wrong at birth. He raised his hand. 
and the fingers were these long ribbons of shadow that smoked and twisted upward as a blown-out candle. He spoke, saying, You know who I am. The weird thing was, he didn't actually say it, almost like he put the thought into my head. And I thought back at him, no. That made him angry. He developed red cat eyes. As he split open his mouth to show all of his teeth, his drool was this silver-inked goo that ran down his chin. He had multiple rows of teeth. I remember that. I also remember him slurping the silver spit occasionally, the way you'd imagine a monster would before he eats you. He didn't actually do anything or touch me, just stared at me sleeping and moved closer to my face. The closer he got, the stronger the vibrations were from him and my chest felt heavy like I couldn't fight it off. I stopped breathing altogether. I was holding my breath, but there was just so much pressure on my body I couldn't inhale. I thought really hard the words, go away, and practically screamed it in my mind. Then in a snap, I woke up in bed actually awake this time but laying in the position I had been during the dream of the man in the room, I gasped for air and then screamed as hard as I could. Cassandra then got up off the couch and walked away from me. I never asked her again about the scream. Going back to the farmhouse with me as a child, yes, Cassandra's scream that night has always stayed with me. But horrors came the very next morning, when Cassandra's hamster cage was covered in blood. And the sickening reason behind why. End of part two, The Visitor. Stay tuned next week for the continuation of Caveat and Tour. This episode of Copper Shock was produced by me, Tasha Wheelhouse. If you loved this episode and you would like to support the channel, please subscribe and rate it. It helps the channel to grow and to reach new listeners. Check out our coppershock.com website for any additional content. I have some raw recorded material from the original subscriber who gave me the story, so if that sounds of any interest to you, please go check it out. If you'd also like to reach out to me with any stories that you would like to share, I'd love hearing from all of you. Contact information is also on coppershock.com. These stories are copyright of Coppershock, and thank you for listening. I'll see you again.